Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be speaking today about our rescue rigging kits, some of our student personal kits, a couple other kits that we use here at Ronan Rescue. Oh, did you miss me? Yeah. When I was away, did you hang my picture? Welcome to the Ronan Rescue Cast. We're pleased to have you. Ronan's comprised of a bunch of slightly deranged individuals that wander the globe in search of that elusive rescue unicorn. We compete, we train, we do rescue work. We're looking for that end-all, be-all system. You know, the one, the one that's going to do everything for you. We haven't found it yet, but we found a bunch of interesting things along the way. and We just wanted to share that with all of you out there. So podcast two, here we are. Who never thought we'd made it through the first one. Anyways, today we're going to be chatting about rig kits, bash kits, and PPE kits. So currently, we pack our rope in a rigging gear pack. Primarily, it has rope and rigging gear in it. We also have some separate rope bags without rigging gear. I think we're running something like almost 40 ropes in the company now. And if you include the rigging kits in the different locations across the country, we're up into the 9 or 10 rigging kits. That is gear with rope. This has worked well for us thus far. We are playing with the idea, though, of going to independent rigging kits with independent rope bags and looking for feedback out there on this. Just, you know, is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Should we trial it in an area? Just let us know. Always looking for the feedback. So the rig kits. Currently, the rig kits are the Contero Rigging Reach Bags or the Courant Work Pro Bags. There is a couple other bags still in the system. I know there's a Contero Strike in Winnipeg and there's a Camelback Hog in Toronto. They haven't worn out, they're still working, we're still using them. Once again, this isn't government work anymore. Until it breaks, it's in service and this is not a challenge. These are all back style kind of bags in order to assist with carrying gear. So the Courant, the Conterra, the Camelback, they are all backpack styles. So you can throw them on your back, you can get up ladders with them, you can carry them over distances. We've been asked why we don't have training kits and rigging kits. Why don't we have just specific gear to send out to train students on? There's an old adage out there that says, if you can't do, teach. We're not fond of that. We believe teach what you do. Hence sending guys to Grimp, doing these types of things. So why would we put out a bag full of gear to train students on that we would never use? If it's good enough for our teams, it's what we want the students taught on. It's what we want to show the world. It's just as simple as that. We're pretty lucky. We've got good relationships with a lot of manufacturers. And we use a lot of different manufacturers' gear. We pick and choose kind of what we want. So inside of the bags. First of all, primarily we carry 300 feet of 11 mil rope. We do have some rig bags with 200 Feet of rope, we prefer the 300s. This allows us to make inline mechanical advantage systems. That's made out of the main line opposed to a piggyback mechanical advantage system. And still have line left over for use of an edge pro or an anchor line out of the bottom end. So the 300 foot, we find it gives us a pretty good uh, usage out of the majority of the rope. Like I said, use both ends, inline MAs, what have you. We do have multiple types of ropes into service. But all of the rig bags are being moved to the PMI Extreme Pro Unicore rope. Minimum braking strength, 37.6 kilonewtons, served us very well. 
It's durable, has a nice hand to it. It's easily untied. It's just right now, one of the better ropes we found on the marketplace. We've also got Hudson Classic, CMC, KM3, Blue Water, Sterling Tech 11, Sterling Tech 9. Uh, there's a Global Pro. There's a few other things in the system. But like I said, the rig bags are all moving to the Extreme Pro Unicorn. We also have, as I mentioned, a Global Pro. Now, this is in the lockup. Now, the lockup's not necessarily to lock things up and keep it away from people. It's if you're taking gear out of there, there is another step that's required or extra training that's required. You're grabbing a gas monitor, you might need to bump it. You're grabbing the Global Pro rope, you should be using it for tower climbing. PMI Global Pro will take a UII, sorry, a UIAA rated lead fall, hence why it's in our system. Don't use it for other jobs though. It is a softer rope, it gets damaged. We've already blown through one, using it for confined space work. We're just using it for tower climbing at this point. So, inside the actual kits, outside a rope. We've got two large carabiners. Usually these are the large steel or aluminum screw gates. These two beaners, we want them usually to be the 40KN monsters, the old fire department beaners everybody's seen. We use these for unusual rigging. We use them for pull-through anchors, like a sprat or I rat a pull-through anchor, or as the sacrificial beaner that we need to lower into a space or throw over a high point in an area where it's gonna get destroyed. Those two beaners are those beaners in the kit. If you break them, let us know. We'll put in a new one. That's fine. 10 carabiners. We're moving towards the Rock D Auto Lock beaners. However, this is being phased in. Once again, you know, you're running 15, 18 bucks a bean or whatever it is. We've got quite literally hundreds of beaners in the system. So it is a phased in approach. The Rock D auto lockers are 29 kilonewton beaners with an auto locking gate. They're an aluminum beaner. Um, expect the gates, inspect the gates after each use. We usually break five or six beaners a year we usually break these carabiners at the gate or even not break them the gates just become so munged up with something that you just can't open or close them anymore try running it under hot water try using a little bit of lube in there wd-40 whatever to clean it out if no dice toss it out we'll get some more we also go with the petzl instructions i know we're not using all petzl gear i heard from petzl if it's more than a dime's width of material worn off it's gone I like that standard. I think it's a valid standard. When we teach students, we do end up grinding a few beaners, especially in the low point edge transitions when they're learning that skill. Keep an eye for it. Obviously, your deformities, dense, being bent, anything like that, get rid of it. We'll get you some new beaners out. As we break the large beaners and as we break the carabiners in the students' kits, we're swapping them out with anything that's not a rock D in the rig kits and then replacing into the rig kits with the rock Ds. And that's how we're moving through them. We break enough beaners that within probably a year and a half, it'll be all rock Ds in the system. We have four single pulleys in there. We're moving towards the rock exotica swivel pulleys for all of our pulleys. Pulleys we find don't wear out as fast as carabiners. We do still have some original Fife TSR 2003, I guess it is, pulleys in our system. Once again, it ain't a challenge. Don't go and try to break them, but as we break them, that's what we're pushing forward to is the Rock Exotica uh, swivel blocks.
as this gear gets better, you know, that's why we end up moving forward with it. We like to uh, think we ruin about two or three pulleys a year though. So this is a slower process than the carabiners. When we are inspecting the rock exotica swivels, ensure you check the pin holding the bolt on. Make sure it is there. Uh, there is some stuff in the enforcer where those have uh, caused problems and some of our friends overseas have had problems with that pin as well. So make sure that that little set screw, that little set pin is in there on that bolt when you do your inspection on those pulleys. Two double shiv pulleys. So we got our four singles, we got two doubles. Same thing, we're moving towards the Rock Exotica swivels. And same thing, check your plates, check your pulleys, check the actual, you know, nothing's bent, it rolls nice and smooth, check the pins. We have one mechanical rope grab in the kit. Now there's a mix of these out there over the years. We've actually found up until recently, no one better than the other. They all have had their issues, their pluses and minuses. As we move forward now, we're using the new Petzl Rescue Sender that we like that a lot it's fast it's smooth you don't need to take your carabiner off and it doesn't have the wires that is where we break these mechanical rope grabs we rip the wires out of them it it's as common as ever we probably repair one a month right now what we have been replacing the wire with when it goes is some two millimeter cordage that only lasts so long and eventually that cam goes missing falls off of top of a site, what have you, and we'll swap it in with a rescue sender. Also in the bag is a controlled descent device. Now there's a mix of them out there. Most of them have a Petzl ID in them. There is the odd Sparrow and the odd D4 in the system as well. Make sure you've trained on whatever you've got in your bag. We use our kits for standby and for training. So for something like the ID, check the wear indicators, check the plates for looseness, do your functions tests of these devices. They do get a fair amount of use, and especially with the because these are all rigging and training kits, they can get some abuse as well. Make sure that you do your inspections on these. We've been asked why we don't have MPDs in the rigging kits. Straight up, the reason's cost. We do have a multitude of 11 and some 12 millimeter MPDs. We have the 11s in an MPD kit consisting of an MPD, one double and one single rock exotica swivel pulley and two prussics. We have those for team leads to use. There are still team members though that come in the door here before they're fully qualified up that haven't been trained on an MPD. That's another reason they're not in the kits. Everybody pretty much knows how to use an ID. The MPDs need a little bit more work at times. And uh, considering we have 10 kits around the country and they're about 800 bucks a piece, and uh, IDs about $250 a piece, you can kind of see why all the kits have IDs on them. I'm not down talking the MPDs. They're a great device. We have them in stores. If you need them, use them, no problem at all. We have three short and three long prussics in the kit. Primarily our shorts are red and our longs are blue or, or green. We're moving towards the CMC pre-sewn prussics. They're supple, they grab the ropes nicely, they do wear out faster than the PMIs that we have in the kits right now, but we find that that's an acceptable swap. They wear out a bit faster, but they grab that much better. They don't harden up the way some of the other prussics do, and you'll start to see more and more of those in our kits. Five anchor slings. 
Now on some of the old bags, you'll see it has an Omni and it'll have, you know, some sort of pickoff strap. Don't even worry about that. Now all we're looking at is five anchor slings, various sizes. We used to use Omnis exclusively. However, we've got this whole, do we pass the tail through the pocket controversy? I don't even know where that started from. I have my ideas and it's created a bit of issues. I have personally investigated one incident and been notified of two others where people have not passed the tail of the Omni through the pocket properly and have had a main line or a TTRS, one of the lines fail because the anchor strap wasn't actually done up. So they're still in our kits. It's not like we pulled them out. This is a human failing. It's not some sort of rigging failing. It's a training issue. It's an inspection issue. Slow down, make sure your stuff's being safetyed. But we're finding, especially after running Grimp all these years, you're pre-sewing slings in multiple sizes. They're strong enough. They're useful. You can, you know, get the different sizes for different lengths. They're quick. They're cheap. And it's what we're moving into at this point. We are using nylon opposed to Dyneema for the most part. There's an old adage out there that says nylon for rescue, Dyneema for climbing. If you're ever around and want to have a beer, Donnie and I will chat with you about how we pretty much destroyed a Dyneema sling and a carabiner at Grimp Day one year and why we now use nylon slings. Not for this podcast, however. It's not bad. It's just different. Uh, we carry 10 millimeters of 8 millimeter cordage. Uh, this is just for extra rigging on a site. We need to create some sort of multi-point anchor. Um, even a load release hitch. I mean, we've moved away from it. We're using mechanical advantage systems instead, but it's in there in case you need to do it. It's just another tool inside of that toolbox for you. A rig plate, either a mini rig or a regular size as the regular size wear out. And I mean, yeah, wearing out a rig plate, there's a 10 year process. We're moving towards the minis. Uh, we do have a multitude of other rig kits in stores, UFOs, bolts, tri-rigs, Petzl 7s, etc. in the lockup. So if you need something for a specific job or you're going out and teaching a certain course, we've got the rig plate that you need in there. There's no two ways about it, but in the kits, we're moving towards the mini rigs. We found that's really all we need. We only really use them on some change of direction uh, pulleys for our inline MAs or for your friction beaner on your ID on a large lower. Carry two soft pro and one hard pro in the kit. We use the adage, hard edges get hard pro. Soft pro is to protect slings and ropes from grease or for statics, uh, slings or static ropes on edges. Moving rope over a hard edge gets hard pro. There's a good Eiders talk from, it's either last year or the year before, so we're talking 15 or 16, about going through three pieces of canvas, three pieces of folded canvas on a 90 degree edge severing rope so you know if you're going to use soft pro you got to use a lot of it hence why we're just throwing a piece of hard pro down there one swivel we still have a swivel in the kit as we move towards the swivel pulleys these will probably end up going the way of the dodo bird it's one of those devices like the brake rack that was prevalent in the kits back you know in the day when we started this that have slowly been removed by technology and newer products that are on the market but it's still a great device for putting a pulley or a change of direction into the correct plane with the rope. They're cheap, they're in the kits at this point. Now all of the kits also are color coded with tape. 
everything in that kit should have the same color tape as the outside of the bag. If you have multiple kits on a job, it came with gear in the bag. It's inspected, it's sealed. If you have multiple kits, please ensure the right kit goes in the right bag on the way back. It's just an easy way for us to maintain uh, positive control over the gear. Now, I mentioned swivels. Sorry, not swivels, seals, my bad. All gear, when it comes back from a job, it gets inspected. It goes to the red return shelf, everything on the red return shelf. If you pull something off of a red return shelf, you need to inspect it because it's been out on a job and it has not been inspected. From there, it gets inspected by either the day staff or on the weekends. My kid will come in and do it. He'll go through, make sure it all works, and he'll seal it with these blue or uh, there's orange seals out there as well. Needless to say, it's sealed. We stole that from our buddies in the Sartec community, but basically then it gets placed onto the in-service shelf. If it's on the in-service shelf and it is sealed, rest assured that bag has been inspected. It is good to go. You can pull it off that shelf, take it right to a site, and away it goes. All of the gear should also have a cattle tag on it you know the ones that hang from the cow's ears those different they're different colors you got yellow we got orange and it'd be zip tied onto the outside of the bags it's zip tied onto a lot of our gear and it will tell you what gear it is for instance bcr1 bc rigging kit one you know tor3 toronto rigging kit three whatever it is that corresponds with d4h with that gear which now brings me to D4H. Great system. It's designed more for SAR, but you know it does about 80% of what we need. It's far better than other systems out there that we're using in the fire service like FDM. So we're using D4H. Now all of the gear in the country is in D4H. As the team lead, it's your responsibility to make sure the gear you have on site is recorded in D4H. There is an app on D4H that you can get where you scan the barcodes, the little QR reader codes that are on our gear, and you can log it right from your phone onto the job that you are on. Quick, easy. Some of the stuff, sorry, doesn't have barcodes. Things like air packs, air bottles. Some of those things, barcodes just come off them way too quick, and they'll have to be put in manually. Whoever inspects the gear when they put it back into service, we'll go into D4H and click on the inspection item and that way the gear is inspected as it's put back into service and that gets logged. If your gear hasn't been used for a while, about every month to three months, depending on the gear, a flag will pop up in D4H and say, hey, you know, rope T15 needs to be inspected. So even if you missed it, it'll flag up eventually for you. Go back, inspect it, click your inspect button, and you've got it back into service. So that's basically the rig kits. It's how they're tagged. It's how you're going to find them, and it's how you're going to log them. There's a couple other kits we're going to chat about real quick. First one's a bash kit. And this is with thanks to our brethren at American Emergency Response Training down there in the great state of Tennessee. Bash kit, from what I understand, they told me they stole it from the caving world, so maybe I even shouldn't be thanking them, but thanking the cavers. It's basically a lightweight kit used for a confined space or cave rescue. 
Now think about when you have multiple geographic rigging areas inside of a confined space. Instead of running in there with your large 11 millimeter rope and your 50 pound rig bag, we can take this little bash kit. Now our bash kit contains 300 feet of Sterling Tech 9. So obviously a lot smaller diameter rope. It's still 28 kilonewton rope, the Tech 9, but we can get a lot more of it into the bag. We're using a little Metolius haul bag for that. It also has some Rock D beaners in there, has a couple of Grigris in there for TTRS, a Petzl Attache beaner for a Munter if you want to go that way, rig plates and some slings. Now this kit's still in flux, we're still playing with it, seeing what we need, what we don't. We're running it on a few jobs with a few clients for training as well to get some feedback. And as we do, we will get that up and out and probably do a podcast specifically on the bash kit and some strategies and tactics in confined space. We do have the new Grigri Plus. Thank you to my friends at Petzl over in France. We got both the limited edition Grigri 2 from them and the Grigri Plus. We will be testing that device with the nine mil we've got some uh some friends down in the states that are going to help us out with this we're going to be doing some slow pull and some drop tests on this just to find the total usability of the gree gree with this nine mil sterling rope um, we're also using this gear on fly-in jobs when we got to fly in a helicopter or small plane and weight is an issue then this stuff's easily transported and it's one of those things though, training is required on this gear. Now PPE kits, we can use these for students, we can use them for rescue standby. There's probably close to 30 PPE kits across the country. They are in usually a dark blue or black MEC duffel bag, medium size, sorry for the multiple colors, MEC keeps changing its colors every few years to the latest trend of, you know, off shade of blue. So they could be dark blue or black bags. There's also three rope access kits in BC. Those are in red bags. They are labeled differently and have different contents. Don't use those for student training. Those are specifically for rope access jobs. The PPE kits are the ones that we're looking at for the students or for rescue standby. The PPE kits have been designed for rescue standby, but they've also are able to be used for students. If you're using students and you have access to the portable rescue instructors kits, then use that because that has a multitude of harness and helmets and gloves in it that are just generally designed for student use. The harness, the harness will be labeled. It'll have a cow tag on it. It'll talk about what that harness is. That's logged separately in D4H and it's also attached to the PPE kit in D4H. So all you have to do is put the PPE kit on the job. The harness is attached to that kit. As with all soft goods, it's good for five years from the date in service. Don't go off the date on the harness. Check D4H for in-service dates on these. That's something that was clarified under Part 32 under WorkSafe BC. It's from the date in service, not from the date of manufacture. Obviously, we still have to follow manufacturer's recommendations. So if the manufacturer says the harness is only good for seven years or 10 years, regardless of date in service, at that point from data manufacturer, it's got to go out. Helmet with a headlamp is in these PPE kits. We're using either the Petzl Vertex Best or the Cask Plasma Work because both of these helmets meet CSA standards for hard hats so we can use them on sites. 
there's a high vis hit me vest in there. We are moving towards the tearaway vests in case we're working around equipment or on roads. Yeah, it's the highest standard. We don't need it on all our sites, but it's better just to have it for those odd sites that we do. It doesn't matter on the other ones. So that's what you'll be seeing as the kits move forward. There's still some of the older vests in some of the kits. There is one lock for lockout. There are more locks in the TL kits. Talk about TL kits on another podcast. However, in the PPE kits, there is one lock, usually in the outside zippered pocket with a tag. I mention this because a lot of bags come back with a note on it. There's no lock in this bag, only to open the outside zippered pocket and find it. So now that it's been out on a podcast, that's five bucks. Rope clubs, pretty self-explanatory. iPro, pretty self-explanatory. Ear Pro, usually have those little foamy ones that look like you can chew on. Should be a handful in there. Pretty self-explanatory. Four carabiners are in the PPE kits. Now these are a mix of leftover beaners. As we swap out the rig kits with the Rock Ds, these kits get the old beaners that are left over. They could be a mix of screw gates, they could be a mix of styles, but there is four carabiners in there. There's also a short, medium, and a long prussic. Those are more for tying off to things, hooking on to patients, what have you, when you're doing different drills, pickoffs. There's also five meters of blue webbing. Now you notice there's no blue webbing or any webbing in the rig kits. We view webbing pretty much as sacrificial as well. It's like those two big monster beaners in the rig kits. If you have to rig to something where you're going around, you know, rigging off a vehicle and you're going to get grease into this. All right, no problem. Use the webbing. That's what it's designed for. It's pennies a foot. You use it once. You get it covered in some contaminant. You throw it out on the way out the door from the job. Just let us know so that we can add a new piece into the PPE kits. That's pretty much it for the PPE kits. The last kit we'll chat about here is what we affectionately refer to as the PRIK, P-R-I-K, the Portable Rescue Instructors Kit. Now, this is a two-piece kit, usually three when we ship it, though, because if we stuff it down into two, one of the pieces is over 100 pounds and nobody will take it, so it usually ends up out as three pieces. You'll find a duct-taped-up cardboard box that holds a two-piece cascade stretcher in it. You'll find a large roller pelly and usually one of the on-site rubber 140-liter duffels, although everything will fit in the pelly. Like I said, it ends up overweight. So outside of the two-piece cascade stretcher, you'll find 20 Purcell Prussics, 10 gloves, 10 helmets, and 10 harnesses. Now, these helmets are rescue helmets. Some of them meet ANSI or CSA approval for construction sites. Some of them are strictly NFPA helmets. This kit is what we teach a lot of our Rope 1, Rope 2 combo confined space courses with. It's taught to a lot of fire staff or folks that want to be firefighters. So we're not running this stuff on work sites. So remember that if you're taking this kit somewhere else. But yeah, 10 helmets in there. Now the 10 harnesses, there's a multitude of harnesses in there. They still have to be inspected, still need to make sure that they're in one piece. We don't need anybody fl- uh, falling to their death wearing this stuff. So keep track of it, inspect it after use, make sure it's sealed once it's done. 
this kit now is primarily for training. I said, you know, we didn't have training kits. This is kind of the exception to the rule. Isn't there always one? Just because the amount of people we train, this thing floats around the country. It doesn't usually live in any one area. And that's why it has this gear in it. Right now, for instance, I just shipped it to Ontario for yeah, yesterday for a course coming up from Ontario to go to Winnipeg. From Winnipeg, I think it goes back to BC. It's We basically have a course every month and a half somewhere, an open enrollment course somewhere in the country. And this kit just gets pushed in between courses across the country. Once again, check it before you use it. Stuff gets damaged in shipping. Stuff gets damaged in use. Just make sure if you need parts of it, give us a ring. That's pretty much it for this podcast. Wow, 28 minutes talking about gear inside of kits. At any rate, there will be some other podcasts coming up with some more interesting stuff. Thank you very much for tuning in to podcast number two.